for us. So with that, I'm going to introduce our, our preacher today. Andrew Palau is going to give our message this morning. And uh, he already blessed the first service. Some good words. I'm going to pray for Andrew, and, uh, and then he's going to open God's word for us. So join me in that. Father, thank you for this man. Thank you for the years that he's been here as a part of our church. And thank you that you've called him and gifted him in so many ways. This morning, Lord, Holy Spirit, anoint him and use him. Use the words that he speaks to touch our hearts and change our lives and help us be uh, this church, this Cedar Mill Bible Church that you want us to be. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Dave. All right. I'm excited, Dave, by the way. I'll get serious later, but right now I'm just excited, and then I'll give somewhere in the middle. But uh, it's weird around here. Welcome to Oregon. It's been a year, but there's a lot to learn. And uh, these are great days. I'm so excited. Uh, Genuinely looking at what's happening here at Cedar Mill and in the community, I'm excited. And all these projects, it's going to be great. Beautiful morning, right? Good morning, everybody. And... uh, uh, while I got a chance, I just want to take a moment and say thank you on behalf of our family, the Palau family and the Palau Ministries for all of your prayers and encouragement and friendship and support. It sustains us and we're really, really grateful. And uh, Dad's headed to New York tomorrow, me and Wendy also to meet Kevin. We're having a big kickoff, a foundational meeting for New York City Fest and City Serve in the summer of 2015. So this is going to be a massive endeavor for us. We've been two years investing in it and there's a lot of, there's a few things happening along the way. But if you would pray, pray for Tuesday in Manhattan. Pray for Dad and the team out there. So, uh, and whenever you hear the messages or the reports back, just get stoked, all right? That means rejoice. That's, a, that's what rejoice means. Get stoked and be encouraged because we're in it together here in Cedar Mill and wherever we go, we're in it together. So let's carry on though, continuing in our uh, uh, series on uh, that's called Lied To. And we're exploring ways that Satan wants to deceive us uh, into believing things that actually lead us away from God and away from the rich and meaningful life that He desires for us and that we desire for ourselves. And today, we're going to open up the Word of God. If you've got your Bibles, for sure, grab them. If anything good happens today, it's going to come out of the Word of God. Uh, Jeremiah 6, so grab Jeremiah 6. Put your finger in Isaiah 50, and I'll kind of be around there in that area. And then also at the end, I'm going to just call you to consider uh, what Jesus says to you and to us today in Matthew 11. 28. But the, the, the message is entitled, Rest for Your Souls. And these passages that we're going to look at and a few others that we'll uh, uh, take a look at, in these passages we're going to see a couple things and I just want to draw those out uh, so that we kind of get them clear in our head. Uh, the first thing that I don't want you to miss, and I know that God would want this more than anything today, that God wants you to know that He loves you. Right? So let's not get too far down the road into some of the details and the things we have to consider uh, before we just establish that God wants you to know in all of these things that we're reading, he makes it very clear. He says, I love you and I love you with an everlasting love. And it's amazing how persistent his interest is in your well-being. And uh, that's the first thing we don't want to miss. The second thing we're going to see in these passages is this picture of a crossroads. And he's going to draw us to the reality that in life we go to these crossroads and we approach them. And he actually calls us to them. And in those moments at the crossroads that God calls us to and that we end up at, two things can happen. You can 
in that moment, be taken directly to God's greatest desire for you. Think about that. When you come to the crossroads, there's decisions made and there are decisions that can be made that will take you directly to the very thing that God desires for you and that you actually also desire for yourself. Or the other thing that can happen as we come to the crossroads that we reach in life is there is in that place of decision, we will buy the lies of Satan that promise Similar things, but actually lead us away from that same life that we desire. So I'm going to take you back now to a a crossroads of my life. And uh, I'll try to paint a picture of 1980s with the the 1980, 1980 itself, if you can imagine it, with a little northwest spin, because that's where I grew up, right here. I, I, I gave these little illustrations to my wife to see if she thought they were good. And she's like, I don't remember any of that. Because she's from Jamaica, right? But uh, in 1980, here in America, we hosted the Winter Olympics. You remember that? In Lake Placid, New York. And, and the men's ice hockey team uh, won the Miracle on Ice and got the gold medal from, from the Soviets. That was a big day, right? And a few months later, in April, Mount St. Helens erupted. And that just blew our minds. If you can remember when Mount St. Helens erupted, I'll never forget it. Uh, and then uh, the Summer Olympics came and they were in Moscow. And then we boycotted those Olympics. Remember that? And then just to kind of console us and give us something to do, uh, uh, the home version of Pac-Man was released just to keep us going, right? Led Zeppelin disbanded uh, in 1980 uh, after following the death of their drummer, John Bonham, from an overdose. And uh, four years later, John Lennon was murdered. And, uh, you know, those things really kind of impacted us. And we can remember little moments like that and many more. It's fun to think of 1980. But I was a 14-year-old young man. And uh, I was hanging out that summer at my buddy's houses. And they were hanging out at my house. And uh, all of that life, you know, all the serious things and the cultural things and the political things of life are going on around the world. But I just, you know, you have your own little world. And at that time, and kind of in most times of our life, we can allow our own little world to be the only thing that we really pay attention to and that really impacts us. But back then, I know one thing that was happening in our little scenario was there were, there were these older siblings around, right? And these older siblings, there were some of them, you know, were great and they're all great, but some of them were into some stuff that was like, you know, just bad, right? It's like, you see them doing this stuff and you're like, ooh, that's bad. Uh, I know that. Uh, because, and I'm observing them. And I remember as they're doing these things, I remember from church and from my family, you know, God says, that's not good. That's going to be bad. And there's a better way, actually. And then uh, Nancy Reagan was starting her Just Say No to Drugs campaign. You remember that too, right? Just Say No. And the public schools hammered us about being good citizens. And even Mr. T said, don't be a fool. Stay in school. Remember that? Oh, my gosh. I wanted to say that so bad. Mr. T, Mr. T impacted me, right? Uh, and the result of all that input for me was, you know, uh, good. I think I, you kind of make this unwritten pact amongst your buddies and you sort of say, well, I, of course, I'm not an idiot. I'm not some stoner. I'm not doing that stuff. Uh, we'll never be that stupid, right? And, and you have this sort of, uh, 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 you swear you'll, You'll never go that direction. And so that's going on. And then on the other hand, however, there's this other environment that I'm observing. And and, and all these things are just so intriguing and uh, so much fun. And there's like laughing and and, and, uh, smiles. And, you know, there's all these like older girls. And you're like, what? 
It's like, I was trying to think of the word, word that a 14 year old, like it was like beguiling. Is that a good word? And there's these girls and they're like, what? And then the guys are older and they're just crazy and they're, they're, they're emboldened and they're outrageous. And I'm watching them and they're stepping all over these boundaries uh, that have been set for life. And they're going way beyond the boundaries. And here's the thing that's blowing my mind. They're like unscathed. Like, where's the lightning bolt? I mean, this is wrong and it's bad. And, and, and I don't see anything happening to these guys that I'm observing all this. And I'll take a minute since I'm in this stage of my life and I'll go on to the rest of my life to kind of hit the middle schoolers and high schoolers and just ask you a couple questions, you know. And it's for everybody, of course, all of us. Let's think about this. How firm are your commitments to do the right thing? How, how firmly are you committed in life and in the days ahead, that you are going to do the right thing. And I think you kind of know what that, those things are. Uh, mainly, you know what to do, to do the right thing. But more important than whether you're dedicated yourself to do it, on what basis did you dedicate yourself to doing the right things? And the third question is, have you ever gotten the feeling that maybe God is like holding out on you? Have you ever asked that question? You're like, you're looking around and it's like, I know these things are bad, but is he holding out on me? And I was looking at uh, all of this, the darkness of these things that I'm looking at, and I've been warned about them, and I'm looking around and all that, the dark repercussions are just nowhere to be seen in that moment. And it's like the only place the darkness of the repercussions was in the fear of my own heart. And I'm like, am I the only one that's like so prudish that I've made this line in the sand that I'm not going to step over? And look at these guys. I feel like I'm all alone in this thing. And then one day in the middle of that, I came to a crossroads in my life. And this is what it looked like. I come to a crossroads in my life and Satan is there and God is there. And I just, this is what happened for me. I just, in one moment, I got invited into that world. And this is what it looked like. Something like this. Hey, what are you guys doing? That's about the size of it. What are you doing? Sitting on the couch. You should come to the party with us tonight. Live it up. Get off the couch and live life. And immediately it's like this whole world became available to me. And this option was right before me. And I made my choice immediately. How easy it would have been for me in that moment to just say, no, no, uh, no, I don't want to do that. And uh, call for help and ask somebody, what should I do? But instead, you know, uh, it was just like a beautiful opportunity. It's like I'd been waiting for it. Who gets invited to the party with the older guys, right? And, and, and none of our peers, those guys, forget about those guys. And we decided to imitate this other group. So we got our mason jars, because that's what they were doing, getting mason jars and filling them up with liquor. And we went out and we were partying. And here's the thing about that little story. The decision that I made in that moment at that crossroads in my life, it sent me down a path that I didn't get off of for 27 years. I was walking down that road. And, uh, you know, that first lie, you know, that first lie, it's like, you got to live it up. Are you kidding me? What are you doing with your life? That first lie that I bought into, it quickly began to entangle me with all these other lies. And like, I knew it was wrong and the guilt of it was starting 
you know, immediately to kind of harangue me and harass me. But then the next lie that just kind of tangled me up is like, well, it's too late. And I felt like that from the beginning. Man, I blew it. I'm, it uh, it's too late now. And then as I move forward uh, into smoke and dope and all the other drugs and all the relationships that go along with that parting lifestyle, for sure, I increasingly began to feel like it's too late for me. And then this other lie starts uh, heaping onto my life. You know, it's like something like this. If, if I'm ever going to get out of this thing, I don't know how. It's too complicated. I'll have to do it later. And you know, I've actually got plenty of time. And that's a funny thing, right? Do you hear? Listen to the contradiction of this. Uh, it's mind-boggling. It's too late on the one hand, right? And I got plenty of time. Ridiculous, right? But you know, uh, uh, it made no sense at all, but I wasn't really that sensible of a kid at that time. And my mind was not looking for contradictions. I was looking for something else. And you know what I was looking for? Even as a 14-year-old boy, uh, I just had a deep desire and a longing in my soul to know that things were right. I wanted to have peace and I wanted to fit in. And I had this deep longing in my soul uh, for that peace. And it wasn't wrong. Uh, it's actually God-given this feeling and those, those, those desires in our heart. Uh, our soul longs for that kind of rest, if you want to use that word. Our souls long for rest in this world. And a lot of things promise it, but they lie. Isn't it amazing the power and the allure of sin to fulfill those longings? And we have the longings. They're not wrong. But sin comes in and we just get pulled so powerfully to think that this thing is going to fulfill that inner deep longing in my soul. So what does God say? Let's go to Jeremiah 6, right? And we're going to look at this message uh, from the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Israel. This is several thousand years ago. And look what it says. Let's read it. Jeremiah 6.16. 6, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. What an amazing offer. And what an incredible opportunity, that deepest longing, God offers it to you today if you'll come and stand at the crossroads of your life. Ask Him for the ancient path and the good way. That's just like the way that He describes to us that so many have walked before and proven to be true. Ask for it. And then He says, when you see it, walk in it. And you will find rest for your soul. And we all want rest, right? And the, so many words just get diminished and you have to kind of back up and think about them a little bit before you really uh, determine what is trying to be said. We all want a little rest, but we're not talking about a like, like I need a break, like a Kit Kat bar, right? He's talking about a deep, deep blessing. Not a, just a day off or a nap, though I'm sure we could all use a nap, right? Uh, some of you just need to be reminded to like, hey, take a deep breath, right? Relax. Get some rest. But here the word is painting a picture. And it's a simple picture, uh, but it's illustrating a deep, deep discussion about life at the deepest level. Soul rest. Peace in your innermost being. Day by day in life that you would have that, that, that sense that things are okay. And it's hard to describe, but if you just kind of separate yourself from the people around you and you look what you, at your life and you say, here's how I'd like to feel... 
And you just look at that. It's like an, it's like you ache for it. You, you long for it. And you know it's this desire. And it crosses all time and all cultures of mankind. I was looking at all the ways that people have described this. But 1,500 years ago, the North African uh, bishop, uh, uh, St. Augustine, he put it this way, so clear. Oh, Lord, you have made us for yourself. And our soul is always restless until it finds its rest in you. And here we are, you know, fast forward 1500 years. You could, you could just, you could have personally written that yourself. September 21, 19, uh, 2014. I'm stuck in the eighties. 2014, right? And so many of you, uh, after all this time and after so many years have passed, we're in that same situation and we find ourselves saying, I think I'm on my own in this deal, right? I got to fight for my own future and I'm anxious and I feel helpless. I got these heavy burdens and there's war in the world and there's war in my home. And some of you would say like, I'm just a relational disaster. Everything I touch, it seems to not turn to gold, right? And there's violence. We've been violent, some of us. We've had violence perpetrated upon us and our hearts and our minds can be haunted by this stuff and hearts are broken and we always look at that it's natural to look at those incredible sensational situations and and they happen to us and they happen around us but most people get trapped in this in this rut and this sense of loneliness just from living lives of quiet desperation but it's just as catastrophic. It makes no difference whether the whole world knows it and, and you feel like you're alone and you're isolated because everybody has pushed you out or whether you just feel this sense of, of desperation. Nobody sees me. Nobody in this whole world even knows I exist. What difference do I make? And littler things compared to the big things, humanly speaking, you know, like, what am I going to do about my children? They won't come out of their room. They don't seem to have any friends. My spouse is completely uninterested in me. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but if that's your life, what are you going to do? Things like, you know, I made all these plans and I worked so hard and I thought I'd be much more successful by this time in my life. And there's these things that I say that I want to do and I just can't seem to do them. And these things that I say that I hate and I can't stop doing them. What am I going to do? What is wrong with me? And all of us have those conversations with ourselves periodically. And we say, you're talking to me about rest for my soul in these kinds of trouble? You, you really believe that's possible for me? And I just want to stand here today and tell you in the name of Jesus Christ, Absolutely, the answer is yes for your life. Yes. And he's calling you. Wendy and I, and we've dedicated ourselves because what God has done in our lives to telling people you got to believe him. And we te- I'm testifying personally that he can bring change and he can bring healing and restoration. He, his offer that he makes, he delivers on it. And around the world, you should also know Everywhere we go, these questions are exactly the same. And the enemy never wants us to understand this. He always wants us to feel like we're all alone in this world. And every week, Dave has mentioned this, because when you start talking about the lies of Satan, this one is always sitting right in there. He loves to trick us by making us feel like we're isolated, but he's a liar. 
and he is the father of lies and we can get isolated. But the thing is, we're not going to let it happen. And that's why we're talking about this. We need each other. And later on, when I call you to like indicate uh, a, a change that you want to make, whether it's like coming on to the path, uh, if you've wandered off it, or maybe you've never been on that path before, I want to have you indicate that decision if you'll make it. Not because I want to call you out and embarrass you or make you do some religious thing. It's because we're not going to call you to walk with God and make you walk it alone. Because that's not what His way is. And that's why we're reaching out together to bless our community and to be involved in difficult places. And that's why we're meeting together the way we are in community groups and pushing it for us. And that's why we're going to try to provide a place for people to come and meet together so we can live life together and, and, and take on this lie of the enemy that he would love to make real in our lives that there's no place to go, nobody cares, I'm all alone in this world. It's especially important because it is in that place when we get there, when we sort of, uh, even if we got a smile on our face and we're laughing on the outside, but we're crying in on the inside, if we feel uh, that sense of isolation and that we're all alone, that is exactly the place where the lies of the enemy just fester in your life. And the tentacles of them just get deep into your mind and play tricks on you further tricks. And, and you know, all this stuff, it's like, I get all super emotional about it because it's pretty serious, right? But it's like, you, you know, the world and, and our own selves, we want to just turn it around and it gets to this like laughable place. Like uh, uh, Dave was mentioning earlier, the Saturday, the, the SNL sketch uh, with Garth Brooks, right? And Will Ferrell, and it's like the devil's there and he's got his red suit and, and Garth Brooks is going to sell his soul to the devil for a song, right? And uh, what was that band? Charlie Daniels band sings devil went down to Georgia, right? Looking for a soul to steal. And, and we laugh and we laugh about this stuff, but mainly because it like it just hurts, right? We get it. We resonate with that concept. And we may never say it this way. We may never say like, I sold my soul to Satan and I'm paying for it now. But we have said things like this in the dark uh, at night. When we're all alone and we're feeling that vulnerability and we look at our lives and we say, gosh, I knew better. I knew better. And I did it anyway. Again. And now it's too late for me. Obviously, it's too late for me. And I just want to tell you the answer to that is no. That is a lie. It is not too late for you. And you can also, by the way, never sell your soul to Satan, right? You might as well know that, okay? And the reason why I can say that is because there's only one who has the power to purchase a soul. And the idea of it is no joke. Because there's only one who has the capacity to pay for it. Jesus alone, the only one, born of a virgin Virgin Mary. Right. Live this perfect life. And he did it for you. He, he came. He lived that life. And then he laid it down. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down gladly. And he went to the cross and he suffered and died for this very purpose. He took the sin of the world and he took your sin upon himself. And he rose then again from the dead with power, according to the scriptures and to the eyewitness of thousands. And this is why he did it to redeem the souls of men to purchase your soul, his life for your life. Isn't that unbelievable? God loves you and he did that for you. 
And now that's true. I don't want to get confused though. Of course, you know, we do realize our evil behavior does yield a harvest, right? And, and, and the Bible says your evil behavior yields a harvest of death. And in Romans, it says all of us have sinned. So we're definitely not alone, all right? If there's a little theme building here, all of us have sinned. You're not alone in this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he goes on in Romans to say the wages of sin, what we earn for that sin is death. If you reject God's path, you're going to live like the devil. And Jesus says it this way. If you refuse to believe that I am the one who I say that I am, you will indeed die in your sin. But Satan does not own your soul. And it is never, ever too late for you. As a matter of fact, today, God is calling you. Every day and this very day, God calls you. His offer stands. He will put you on a path to life that will lead you to the rest for your soul that you desire. And we're at that crossroads. And he calls you. He says, come, stand at the crossroads and look. And I will deliver to you rest for your soul. And on from this day forward, you can leave this place. And from this day forward, your life will be marked by peace. And you may not have that reputation right now. You might say, that's ridiculous. But I promise you, if you turn your heart to the living God and, and allow yourself to be examined by Him and you see yourself rightly uh, uh, the way He sees you and respond in humility, believe me, you can be changed this day. And you won't be perfect, right? You know too many Christians think that being a Christian makes you perfect, right? But you will not be alone. Because God will be with you in the good days and the bad days. And we want to be there with you as well. You'll be changed. And we see how this works in this picture in the book of Jeremiah. So let's pull up Jeremiah again and look at uh, uh, chapter 6 where we were. And in this picture, sorry, gross. Um, we can look a little further into the story and at what's happening with Jeremiah and the people of Israel in this passage we're reading and look a little more deeply at what's happening. And it's too easy for us a lot of times to look at these beautiful pieces of Scripture and we consider that picture of the crossroads. And I don't know for you, but the first time I read it, the first thing I thought of because we're here in the Northwest is like this like poster of a uh, two paths in the woods and there's ferns all around, right? And there's like a little calligraphy. Stand at the crossroads and look. And it's like, if I had an OPB voice, I'd do the OPB voice. But I don't, you know, it's like, okay, that's awesome, right? It's, but it's like, this is not like a motivational poster, right? You remember the cat hanging there, baby? Remember those pictures, those posters we used to look at? I'm, I, uh, but uh, this is serious, right? The matter at hand, it's worth recognizing that this passage is revealing something very deep. The foundational truths of life are addressed here. And, and, and in this passage directly takes on the lies of Satan. And we want to do that here in this place. We want to look at those truths and we, and we want to take the lies of Satan on and we want to see change in our lives and we want to challenge you to receive the good things of God. And don't just go through the motions because anything else is just like going through the motions. You take a little tidbit here. That'll make me feel good. That's a pretty good way to go. Uh, I want to be a better person. That's not what this is all about. At this time, here's what's happening. Jeremiah, the prophet, Right. The prophet of God, he's sent to Israel and he's prophesying and he's preaching a message to, to the whole city of Jerusalem and to all the people of Israel. 
And you remember the people of Israel, right? I mean, these are the beloved ones. These are the ones, the ones that God called forward to be his people. And he gave them this great purpose. But what did they do with that amazing love and that amazing calling? They rebelled endlessly, right? And they worshipped idols for hundreds of years. Over many generations, they just ignored God. And God was there pleading with them. And you see it all over the word there as you read the chapters before and the chapters after. The whole time he's there saying, turn from your sin. I love you. Soften your hearts. And he warned them, flee from the evil that's coming. And and in the chapters before, all around that that little uh, passage of the crossroads, he's describing this wrath that will come. And then the wrath comes. It's the inevitable result of the choice that they made to walk away from God's path. And if if, 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 uh, it's tedious and it's heartbreaking, it's... It's so incessant what's happening uh, in the lives of the, of the people of Israel. There's an invading army coming. It says Babylon is here. The enemy is in the city, tearing down the homes, destroying families, hauling them away out of their city, rooting them up and taking them to captivity. He said it would happen. And it's exactly what is happening right in the exact middle of where this passage lies. And here's the thing. It did not have to happen. That did not have to happen for them. They made decisions. They had an opportunity and they made choices, but they'd gone far. And what the word of God is saying to us here is that it's not too late. And he says it to you today, no matter how far you've gone, no how many years you feel like you've burned, it's never too late for you. This picture of the crossroads and this appeal that we began talking about it's right directly in the middle of this harsh dark reality that they have gotten themselves into of their own making their life and their actions have taken them to this to this this impossible to imagine place and what is sitting right in the middle right in the middle if you sort of balanced out the the chapters there it'd be like literally almost right in the middle of all of the description of the wrath and the destruction that was happening in that moment is just this beautiful it's like an oasis in the desert right it's like it's so disjointed that it's sitting there this offer of life and radical transformation, and a better way, and a path you can choose. And you listen to that. Some of you, you might be thinking, you know, okay, I see where you're going. I get it, right? And that's interesting, but still, it's so hard to not just say to yourself, that's interesting, but you have no idea what I'm facing you have no idea the circumstances that I am and what I'm going through. And you know what? Sadly, that's what the people of Israel said in that time. I didn't put it up on the screen, but if you look at Jeremiah 16, that's right where it ends. You will find rest for your souls. But they said, no, we will not walk in it. And I'm going to carry on with my story a little bit. And as we think about this, that we're talking about uh, the circumstances of Jeremiah, what I'd like for you to do, and this would probably be the most important moment uh, of our day here, is as I'm sharing my story, would you, I'm challenging you, if you're willing, just turn your mind to your own life and your own circumstances, because this is all very interesting, but this is what God cares about today. Your life, your story. If you're willing, you can turn your heart to the living God right in this moment and just say to him, God, if you're real, I want to know. Speak to me. 
You see my life and you see my circumstances. If you're real, I want to hear your voice. I want to know about that path. And if you show it to me, I will walk in it. And with sincerity in your heart, his promise will be real for you. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart. And once he speaks to you, though, you got to be ready, right? Because he's asking you to make a move and he wants you to walk in it. He's going to give it to you and then you move in it. And it's not easy. You might as well know that. But the result is so beautiful. Rest for your souls. It's a promise of God. So as you do that, I hope, and you turn your heart and let God search your soul, I'm just going to turn to one other passage, and, and, and it's in Isaiah 50. I mentioned that. You can just go right there. And this is a place that further illuminates what this all boils down to. This is a place, I loved it when I read it, it was just so clear, and I just said, my guy, I need clarity. And it's Isaiah 50, verses 10 and 11, and then 51, and I'll skip a little bit. Uh, you'll see the two ways in which your story can go, the two paths you can choose from. And this is what it says. Isaiah 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. But now all of you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go on, walk in the light of your fires and the torches you've set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. Now contrast that to this. As he goes on in 51.1, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. That means those who want to be right in life and be in the place that they should be, that they were created for. You who pursue righteousness and seek the Lord. Skipping over to verse 10, he says, it's, it was I who made a road in the depths of the sea. 51.10, so that the redeemed might cross over. The ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Wow, that's awesome to me. What a beautiful promise. God loves you. And these are the things that He desires for you. I foolishly wandered around for 27 years in the darkness of life and in this world under the torch of my own making. And I walked around in the light of those torches and I received exactly what I was told I would receive. At the end of the day, when that torch went out, I lay down in torment. And how perfectly God described these things. You've been through it. You you know the truth of it. I moved off of that couch at the age of 14 and I went down that path through high school uh, into college and out of those constraints of home. I went downhill fast and just heaped into my life all the other drugs and, and, and all the relationships uh, that the world has to offer so shameful and so painful and the world says of course go for it that's living what else are you going to do and i had this great mask that i wore the whole time to say everything's fine right but it wasn't fine and i began to recognize it more and more i graduated went to uh, boston and started working my way up the corporate ladder out there but not i you know slowed down my parting a little bit uh, not for spiritual reasons but just because i had to get up and go to work in the morning right but nothing had changed in my heart except for this, I began to realize that everything that had begun for fun had enslaved me. 
and I was going down into this spiral and, and, and all of my lying and cheating and stealing and the abusive relationships and my arrogance and my pride and, and, and uh, all of the faces of the people that I had hurt would flood my mind and haunt me and I would never want to go to bed sober. And I realized I began to abuse alcohol in that way to mask and to cover the reality of my life. I would just go out partying every night. And if I couldn't find someone to party with, I'd just sit on my little sofa in Boston and drink beer, watching baseball late into the night until I passed out on the couch. And, uh, and, and, and then I'd get up and go to work in the morning and go out partying. And that terrible spiral was dragging me down, drown, even despite the the clear understanding. I had been told about God and Jesus Christ and the offer of this way so many times. And I over and over and over, I would hear it and I would be compelled by it and I would reject it. But I would put my faith in every lie that the enemy would put forward. Isn't that insane? Every lie, every lie the enemy came up with, every lie that the world pushed upon me, every lie that my selfish heart desired, no matter how many times I lay down in torment, I would go for it. A hundred percent too. Just go for it. A hundred percent. And you know, sometimes I, I would say, I'd look down there and I'd say, you know, that looks okay. And there, the, in Proverbs 4, uh, we understand how this happens to us. It says, you know, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And I sparked up all these torches. I'm going to name a few, see if you resonate with any of them. But really, more than anything, let the Lord speak to your heart about, about the direction you're going. Self-reliance, right? Men do this a lot, but not just men. Be your own man, right? You got what it takes. And in the West, we value that independent spirit so highly. And, it, and again, in and of itself, some of these things, they're not necessarily wrong. But when they're taken to the nth degree and it becomes like your God and you find your identity in that place, in the end, you will lie down in torment. That self-reliance thing didn't work too well for me because, you know, all I had to do was like look in the mirror and I'm like, that this isn't going to work, right? My weaknesses were just way too obvious. Uh, but, you know, some people take that one right to the very end. And it is brutal. Pride, self-indulgence, other relationships. That's a huge one. Other relationships, right? This is so common and so painful. If this person thinks I'm special, then I'm special. And you get your self-worth and your identity uh, in this relationship. But then what can happen? People behave treacherously. Or you just become bored. But either way, in the end, there's betrayal and torment. There's no greater torment than that sense of betrayal and abandonment in relationship. And when that torch is snuffed out, you know the feeling of it. Here's another thing that happens. Uh, and it happens a lot for young people in life when they, they, they move along in the light of someone else's torch. Right. So you have a beautiful blessing, a family that walks with God and you you receive all the light and and warmth of that. And you're kind of moving along under the light of these other people's torch. But then something happens. Right. Then all of a sudden you, you, you move off and you go to college and you go to school or you get a job and you and, and you come to these crossroads. And at the crossroads, you have no strength and no ability to keep any of your commitments because you've never personally built a foundation of relationship with God and Jesus Christ for your very own self. And then you get so far down that road and all of a sudden you turn around in four years and you're like, I never wanted to be down here. How did I find myself in this position? It's because you never came personally under the light of life and came to God for yourself. Or 
Here's another one, partying. That's embarrassing. I found my identity there. That's where I fit in. Whoever could be the craziest. That was our ideal. That was it. I'm embarrassed. It's so incredibly stupid, but it's like, seriously, whoever is the craziest, whoever does the most shameful thing at night and can laugh about it the next day, that's how I built my foundation for life. And when that trap springs, it is it is so embarrassing and it is so cold and so dark in that place. When addictions capture your life, whether it's drugs or alcohol or gaming or, or sexual things, all of that addiction, when that trap springs on you, if you ever wanted to feel alone and like it's too late for you, that is a place where the enemy will just harass you to the end. Don't let it happen to you. Intellectualism, that's another one that people go for and they go all the way to the end of the road with that one. That one's very embarrassing to come away from, to admit that, that somehow that in my deep thinking and I'm so well read and all these great thoughts, I've maybe accomplished something great. But you know what? That's torment defined. If you work that one through to the end, these philosophers that influence our society uh, uh, so deeply in the West, they are self-identified as philosophers of despair. So many of them. That is the title that they prided themselves in. Success, finances, work, career. You put your faith in those things and you let them become your God. The best thing that you can hope for is disillusionment. And we could go down the road of where that thing uh, uh, lands you. And the world says about all those things, that's living. You look at those paths and they seem right. They seem right to you, but in the end, it leads to death. It's not God's way. And I am so grateful that my parents, through all of that garbage in my life, and this place, Cedar Mill Bible Church, so many of you, I'm so grateful that even though I ran off and I isolated myself, you guys wouldn't leave me alone, right? What is wrong with you? Just leave me alone. But you wouldn't do it, right? My parents, mom and dad, and so many of you, you know, you, you just never gave up on me. And you prayed for me. And you prayed so faithfully for me. And you know there's great power in prayer. And if some of you are here and you feel that God is moving on your life and you can't believe what's happening to you, how is this, how is this, this thing coming about in this very moment where I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this so seriously? It's because we've been praying for you. And we've been asking God to do that very thing in your life and in our lives. Prayer was critical. They prayed for me. They lived the life as an example. When God says, I offer you life and life and abundance, they were living it. And I saw that. They weren't perfect, but they were changed and they were growing. And when everything else failed, who was standing? You guys that walked with God and you, you had a hopefulness and you had a joy and it was desirable. So they prayed, lived the life, and they shared with me the good news, just like I'm going to share it with you now. And they did that in a hundred ways. They would personally share with me the good news of Jesus Christ. They would write me letters and they would sick people on me. And uh, they would send me books and what else? Everything they tried it. And in every one of those attempts, here's what I heard. God loves you. Right? God loves you. Jesus Christ went to the cross out of the great love of God. For you, so that you, no matter where you've gone, you could know it's not too late for you. There's hope for you. And you can be reconciled with God. Jesus Christ says, 
about himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that is awesome news for you today. That in this world, there is a way forward. There is truth available. And Jesus says, I am the life. Come to the Father through me. There's no other way. And I'm going to make this our call and a call to action uh, out of this verse right now. Matthew 11, 28. He says, come to me. What is this path? What is the light? It's Jesus. He says, come to me. And I'm making this my call to you. Receive it as from the Lord himself. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So if you are restless today, and you do not have that peace somehow, you are not experiencing rest for your soul. We are focusing these weeks on the lies of Satan for a reason. And it's because we're going to, we're trying to call them out in your life so that you can make a change and, and see something happen. Not just like a good nugget to help you to become a better person. Jesus Christ will radically transform your life. He will forgive you and deal with your past. He will give you his spirit to empower your day by day reality. And he will give you assurance of eternal life, heaven as your home. And some of you, you might say, here's the two things I want you to respond to. If you fit in these categories, some of you, you've walked with God, but you've sparked up these other torches and it's killing you. And maybe everybody knows it and you know, they know it and you're a laughing stock. But most of you, probably, you've sparked up those torches. You may have been aware of it. You may not until just now have been aware of it. But you've sparked them up and it's still killing you. And today, before that torch burns out and the torment just harasses you to death, snuff that torch out right here at the crossroads that God has called you to today. So that's some of you. Some of you, you might say, you know... I didn't really understand this before. And I've never walked with God. I didn't know about that path. I've never stepped on it. I've never responded to that call. But I hear it. I've heard that call. Maybe you've heard it for many days and you just haven't known what to do. He says, come, follow me, follow me. And you've heard him calling you. He says, I will give you the light of life and you will never walk in darkness again. And if you just haven't known what to do, I just want to lead you in a prayer. Well, I'll lead all of us in a prayer. No matter what our circumstance is, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. And you can turn your heart to the living God once again. And I'm going to lead you. It's not my words, but your heart connecting to the living God. And you can pray to him and just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I want you to be the light of my life. Just pray this prayer and respond to that offer and step onto that path. And you just follow along in your own way. But Heavenly Father, I love you. And I am so grateful that you've never given up on me 
and uh, that you offer this to me even still in the midst of this incredible situation and in the midst of this sadness and the loneliness of the, of this deal that is my life lord i just thank you uh, i believe in you and i receive you now thank you for paying the penalty that i should have paid and taking upon yourself please forgive me Thank you for forgiving me. And uh, I, I receive you. I, I ask you, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because I need power. And I haven't had it before. And thank you for heaven. The great promise that you've given that heaven is now my home. And I will not fear death again. Because now I know from this day forward, when I die... Or when you come again, I will be with you there forever. The end of my path is secure and I'm so thankful to know it. And that changes everything. And uh, Lord, use me now. I want to know what my purpose is. Show me where to go and what to do. I want to be used by you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Oh. It's great uh, to hear some of you praying to the living God. And I want to just encourage you. I told you I was going to do this. I just want to give you an opportunity uh, to respond to that call. And, and for our rejoicing, I'm just going to ask you, if anybody prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. And hold it high, just for a moment, huh? So I can see so many of you. Awesome, you guys. This is fantastic. This is why we've come. And we rejoice with you. And here's what I want to do. You know, we're calling, God is calling us to like step on this path and begin to move forward. And we're not, gonna, we're not meant to do it alone. So what I want you to do is if you raise your hand, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to step a little bit further down that path. And I want you to come down here and I want you to meet with me. Some of the elders and Dave and others will come and we'll meet with you here. We want to just help you to get going. We want you to make a, an observable step on that path. If you say, I'm going to walk this path with God now and you can't even get up out of your seats and come and meet with the people who love you more than anybody else and want to help you down that path, when are you going to really start walking down it, right? So this is not a religious thing. It's just a help because we love you and we want to help you. So will you promise me, now think about it, don't lie right now, Promise me if you prayed that prayer and you had some things that God dealt with, we want to help you. You don't have to unveil it all to us right now, but just come down here as an expression of your dedication to walk in that path. Will you do it? Let's all stand. Josh is going to lead us in a little worship. If you prayed that prayer, come down here and meet me here right now and just make a move and come on down. It's a little awkward, maybe, but that's cool. Come down here and meet with us. We want to rejoice with you. We're going to pray. And then we'll let you go, huh?